There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, Rams fans? Welcome to another edition, a very special edition of Turf Show Radio. This is Van, Van Ram, with me as always, 3K. How you doing tonight, 3K? Brent Musburger is my Wayne Newton. <laughs> Brent Musburger, that sounds like somebody that was like maybe a secretary, a cabinet-level dude in the Reagan administration. It does. He does have like an undersecretary for policy type name. I will give you that, man. Doesn't yeah, sound like a, a I mean, sports That's a guy guy. that should be at the table, any table, whatever table you're talking about. He's the kind of guy that you can put LLC at the end of his name. Brent Musburger exactly. LLC was fined $2 million today for outsider trading. Mm. For a helmet-to-helmet hit and outsider trading. Oh, low blow, low blow. <laughs> 3K, what's going on today? We got, we had, we're coming off a big win this week. A big yeah, win. Man. I think Rams fans are riding high right now. Prilosec victory of the week. I mean, that that's that's pretty much the biggest accolade you can get that I know of. Prilosec. If, if that if that doesn't cure your heart, burn, I don't know what the hell will. Is that what it does? I don't. I'm still not sure what Prilosec does. I, I think it's a heartburn thing. I don't know. Well, since heartburn? I've been taking it, my syphilis hasn't been bothering me. That's all I'm going to say. And if it's ain't well, broken, well, that's an added that's a side bonus. That's a bonus right there, man. Big Dang. bonus. Three K. Hey, wait, speaking of syphilis, just in case we got any case. listeners, you guys should know. Just speaking of syphilis, Aaron Hooks will be joining us in just a minute. So. Stick with us. I see we got a caller already, but we're going to bring on Aaron, and then we'll get the callers. Sound good, Van? Sounds good to me. Um, you, right, let, let's let's, before we bring him in on, um, you want to last thoughts on the old Chargers game? Debrief on I mean, that real quick. I think we, we've we discussed it uh, pretty thoroughly, both on the site and everywhere around the St. Louis sports media world. You know, it was a good good way to start the game. Came out a little flat, but the effort at the end, especially the offensive line blocking, when you give Steven Jackson that window, he's going to take over. And uh, we, we did what we needed to do. I think, uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if things play out in a similar fashion on the road against Tampa Bay, a very motivated team this week. But, the, you know, the good thing was that we faced a talented team. You can't say anything else about the Chargers. They are very talented, and we beat them at home. That's a, that's a great step forward for this team. That's true. That's true. Now they still have Norm Turner as a head coach. So, you know, you've always got a little bit of a – Handicap when you've got that situation at hand. So. Yeah, and speaking of names, that's just an unacceptable first name, Norv. That is a Norv. That's a no go. Put no. an M on that. Norval. Go Norval. I don't know. Maybe. Is his full name Norval? Surely it should. Surely it's Norval. Is that any like better? That. What is Norval? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think you know, America's names, learned from that mistake. I think America has learned. Let's do some name dropping right now, 3K, and let's drop a name, a name Aaron Hooks. Aaron Hooks is from SBN St. Louis, CardsDiaspora.com. He's a man, myth, legend, man about town. 3K, let's bring on our very special guest. He How about should this? be on. Aaron, you, get, you good, man? 
I'm all good. And, and just so you guys know, um, Brent Musburger uh, is supposedly a wildcat in a sack, and that's how he's kept his job for so long. He's got an amazing sexual prowess, just so you guys know. <laughs> you know what? I I, not only have I heard it, I've seen the video. Work. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is going to go spectacularly, isn't it? <laughs> it always does. It always does. 3K, we got Aaron on the line. What should we hit him up with first? I know we got a pile of topics here on our plate. So, uh, so what are we going to bring? What are we going to bring our boy down with first tonight? We want to talk St. Louis media. We want to talk specifically Rams on the field. Where do we want to go? What's the direction at hand here? I'll be honest. I mean, you know, personally, knowing that you're, that neither of us live in St. Louis, the most interesting thing to me when I read Aaron's stuff at SB in St. Louis is getting a feel for what's what the consensus, what the CW is out of St. Louis. Now, I don't know if Aaron is a good harbinger of conventional wisdom. But getting a sense of, you know, somebody who's in the EJD, going to games, who's, you know, in the center of the St. Louis media world. I'm just interested in hearing, you know, from you, Aaron, What do you think there's been an effect yet, you know, the Rams' success, Sam Bradford? Are people starting to pay attention to the Rams yet? Or are, are they going to need to see more before they start, you know, before they stop paying attention to the Cardinals' offseason? You know, I, I, I really believe this, and uh... – Last week was probably the best home crowd that the Rams have had since probably 2005 or 2006. And I say this was saying, knowing that, yes, there still was about ten or 15,000 empty seats in the Dome. But at the same time, the people that were there, um, it was a weird feeling of everybody had a feeling that San Diego was coming off a tough loss in Oakland. Uh, they were coming in here with something to prove. They had the AFCs you know, top offense in a lot of different categories. And and we kind of had the Rams fan feeling of, all right, well, it's a beautiful day outside, so if they're going to get whipped, let's at least make it a blowout by halftime so we can get back to the tailgate kind of feeling. And then <laughs> funny thing happened on getting our asses kicked, on our way to getting our asses kicked when, you know, the Rams came out and they pretty much dominated the first half. And you got a sense that everybody in the place was like, you know what, you know, maybe these guys, you know, aren't as bad as the game in Detroit. Maybe these guys aren't as good as this first half against San Diego. But at least there's something interesting about this team in 2010. And coming off of three seasons that have just been not only miserable record-wise, but miserable entertainment-wise, <laughs> like, I think that finally we got, like, a heartbeat, a palpitation where people are at least curious to see what's right. going to go on with the Rams tomorrow. And I think that's a huge step forward from what we've had in the past couple of years. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I say you could see it on TV even. I mean, that was a loud crowd at the Dome, and that was kind of a foreign feeling even from, you know, a few hundred miles away watching it on TV, you know, to see the crowd into it, to see people standing up, to see, see people, you know, know what's going on on the field, that there was something on the field finally worth watching. That was a good feeling right. to see that. It was a... You know, the big challenge for the Rams, too, it's selling tickets. It's becoming a force in St. Louis again. And I don't know if, yeah. if it's just a matter of whether they stay in St. Louis or need to get a new stadium or not, but, you know, first and foremost, they got to bring fans back into that stadium. How well, do they do that, a, though? That's a good I mean, start. I, and, and, but here's the problem, and, and I don't think people realize this, too. So red zone channel, right? 
We love it. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's been in front of the Red Zone channel on a Sunday is like, wow, this is this is the best thing ever. I mean, this is better than anything you could possibly. I mean, it's better than sex sometimes. Red Zone channel is awesome, right? Red, well, the Red Zone channel. <laughs> well, Red Zone channel came into proliferation. What in the past two to three mm-hmm. years? It's really. I mean, I don't know when DirecTV or Dish really started with it. I'm going to guess like three or four years ago. But the past two years, I know it's been, uh, you know, one of those things heavily promoted. A lot of people are exposed to it. A lot of people know about it, right? And I don't mm-hmm. know if there isn't just a group of people that aren't ever going to go back to an NFL game. Because even in a game like last week, I was there. I'm a big Rams fan. I loved it. I loved the atmosphere. But there was still a part of me that was like, man, I wish during this, you know, timeout after a score, then timeout after a kickoff, well, you get about 10 seconds worth of action, and you're basically sitting around for six minutes. And in those six minutes, even though I'm in the middle of an awesome NFL game, I'm sitting myself going, I don't, I, I don't want this commercial. I don't want this downtime. I want to see what's going on, you know, in that, in that Pittsburgh, you know, game. I want to see what's going on in that New England game. And, and, you know, it goes to a bigger point of saying that, you know, um, if you have kind of a little bit of a down period like we did in St. Louis, how, do, do we ever have the ability to get the excitement leveled back where it was in the late 90s? I'm not sure that just because these guys win that early season games at any level of Rams football are just going to be a must-see event. I, I mean, I'm interested to hear what you guys think, but I think that this Red Zone channel is way bigger problem when we talk about brands and selling out games, and we want to think about it because even if they are good, the Red Zone Channel still a big pool. Even if the Rams are, yeah. you know, got eight or nine wins. Yeah, I, wow! You throw in nine, ten percent unemployment on top of that. It's not a. It's easier to stay home and watch a game than. Right. Than, than head out to the dome. I, you know, I don't know. Sure. It'll be interesting to see. Three K. Yeah, I, I got a response. I know we got our caller, and, and I'm going to patch you in in a sec once we get, you know, over the hump of this particular topic. But I've been, I've been talking to some of my friends down in Dallas, and if, everybody knows about the Cowboys Stadium. It's stupid. It is – I mean, it's when the future came to the now. And one of the things they talk about is how they use those timeouts. I think the NFL doesn't understand as much as some owners and some managers understand the red what – what it has to be called now, the red zone channel effect, in that people – and even on radio shows, they're talking about it. People are more interested in fantasy football than they are in their teams. A lot of people, right. yeah. casual fans. It may not be the case for people who go to Churchill Times. may not be the case for us. But a lot of fans would rather pay attention to the fantasy football team than, quote, their favorite team. And I think what teams need to understand is there's a way to manage the fans that, that follow teams enough to pay money to go to the games and still feed them the kind of information they're looking for with their fantasy teams in some fashion, whether that's a fantasy board in the stadium, whether that's somebody doing things during the breaks in the game, whatever it may be. And one of the things that the reason I brought up Dallas is they're talking about how to incorporate that, and they're bringing the fan base into that discussion. I think it's a great way to to move towards what the NFL has to in order to capitalize on, on you know, one of the biggest profit bases that they're going to have, which is fantasy football. They understood that when people are betting on football, you've got to make money off of that, and they did a great job of that into the 90s. But now they've got a new segment that they have to make money on, and it's fantasy football. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out, but it's a great point to bring up. Y'all, y'all cool if I bring what on the, the new caller? What, what, what do the Cowboys do at the stadium during those breaks? 
Right now, I don't think they do anything, but one of the things they're talking about is hiring essentially an, in, an in-house anchor. If you guys have seen the games, you know when they come in uh, through that bar the Cowboys do? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Right, right. Yeah, yeah they're, they're talking about essentially setting up a kind of a mini studio in there and having an anchor run essentially a mini red zone channel so that when they go to breaks, they patch that person into the super giga jumbotron in the middle of the stadium, and he could say, here's what's going on around the league, here's the big fantasy performers, blah, 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 back to the game. You know, it's worth doing. I think that's you know, and that's what's interesting about the stadium in Dallas. And then in D.C., it's a similar situation where it's the stadiums more. It's the team's facility. It's the team's home field. But it's it's oh so much more. You know, it's an event center. It's concerts. It's shows. There's all kinds of other sports that go on in there. You know, it's not the kind of sports that are going to sell sixty thousand tickets. But it's you know, it's a facility. It's an event. It's a it's a day out. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, and, so I, you know, I don't and that'll know, come to interesting. I was just going to say, that'll come to the fore when the Super Bowl comes out. I mean, I don't, I don't think the stadium has really had a full national stage on which to present itself, and it's going to be the Super Bowl, and people are going to look at that stadium and say, holy shit, our football stadium sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't bring on that the Edward Jones Dome to the Dallas Cowboys yeah. stadium, you got a long, you got a long way to go. Oh, yeah, it's true. man. Well, we got a caller from the 201. You should be on. Caller, you with us? Yeah, I'm with you guys, man. Just got back from Vegas. They moved the Rams' favorite to win the NFC West from 20 to 1. Now it's down to uh, almost 8 to 5. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're impressed. I was at the Sp- uh, Vegas Sports Bar every day at the Rio. I did a big IBM convention down there, and um, oh, I was wild, man. They were just that. The people who are in San Diego, the, the gamblers, they were dying. They were dying wow. because that was what was that a that was a fourteen point spread, wasn't it? Nine. Nine point spread. Nine points. Hey. That was excellent. That was excellent. I'm looking at Bradford's numbers. They're very impressive, you know? Uh twenty uh, two thirty four attempts, hundred and thirty three completions. Clayton doesn't get hurt. We you know, you're looking at a five and one team. You know? The first two games yeah. they gave away. Because I'm right outside Giant Stadium here. We got Jets and Giants, and we got the 2014. I'm employing now for a job for that, just to sell beer on that day. You know? There you go. There you go. That's the deal. I mean, you think Giants? You think Dallas Stadium is nice? You wait. You got to see Giant Stadium, mind you. I, I, that thing. That thing holds 88,000 people. Yeah, I saw you the know? broadcast. It looks like a really nice place. Oh, they did it very quickly. The old stadium's gone already. They're already making the parking lot. You know, so it's pretty good. Um, I, my question is, who controls the team colors for game day? Good question. Good I mean, question. we got to get rid of white. White on white, I was embarrassing in Detroit. I mean, just the, somebody playing in white makes you makes you less confident than playing in blue and gold or all blue, which was very impressive. Now, I didn't catch the game Sunday. Um, I got to Vegas late. I had to sleep, and then I had a talk on Monday. But let me tell you, that that all white like in Detroit, and then you go all blue like in San Diego. It, you know, there's a feeling there. You know, it is. Ah, uh, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's after Labor Day white. too. You know. You know, it's just the color is just too white. There's not enough blue. The 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 striping, everything is just. It's all white. You look like Kansas City. No, white and red looks dynamite. Like the Chiefs played on uh, Sunday, that white. But yeah. 
We're all white. We're not even white and gold. It's just all white. We look like patsies. We're like a little, you know, flowers in a field out there. You know? <laughs> well, you, I, I was going to say this. You may not have to worry about it long. There's early rumblings. And now that Nike, I don't know if you guys heard, Nike signed a contract with the NFL to do all the uniforms. There's there's early word that Nike's going to redesign all the uniforms for all 32 teams. So, you know, they, maybe the best place to go with that is Oregon Nike. Too? Didn't they just say do Oregon? Well, we may not have all 33 different uniforms that Oregon gets to bring into the locker room every Saturday, but, you know, with Nike, you never know what's going to happen. I've seen a couple of the prototypes. They had one for the Cardinals. It was a black uniform. It was pretty interesting, but it's the same oh, kind of futuristic mean, yeah. look. I like yeah, that. Look I, got like a, I got a Warner for a while. Yeah, I got a Warner jersey, uh, the the old gold. It was just gold with blue lettering and Warner. When uh, uh, 2001, I picked it up, and uh, that's what they were selling online, so... What do you think you got? What do you think tomorrow? At least we win by fourteen. You know, on the road, it's uh, you know they got to answer some questions about playing on the road. I, this to me, it's a team where it's a team where Steven Jackson could rack up 130 yards pretty easily. But right, you know, we got to. I didn't think we'd lose 44 to six in Detroit. So I, you know, well, who knows? I'm yeah, terrible. Yeah, but you didn't think they were going to beat Washington and beat Seattle at the same time. You know, and yeah, then exactly. pound on San Diego. Because after this, you know, you got – you beat Tampa Bay, you got a, a quarterbackless Carolina. They just benched the guy, the new kid. They just benched him. And then we take a nice break yeah. and everybody's healed up. But they got rid of that guy Chauncey from the Jets. I thought they were hot on him. Chauncey Washington. And they bumped him back down to the practice squad. And I think with Steven Jackson fully healthy, they weren't as concerned. I don't know. I, I figured they might re- have him return some kicks, but – since, you know, they don't want – I guess Amendola's the guy, but I kind of figured maybe with Amendola more of the go-to guy in the passing game, they wouldn't um, they wouldn't risk him as much on returns. But, you know, he gets the job done, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. He's got 322 yards. He's got a lot of receptions. You know, he's, yeah. we just need to find – now, um, Gilliard, is he going to play tomorrow with the hammy or he's just – Probably not. Okay. He didn't but practice kid, yesterday, so that makes him pretty unlikely for he. You know, he had practiced Thursday, he missed practice yesterday, so that makes him probably a scratch on Sunday, and that'll put Robinson in his place. Cool. Cool. You're gonna have some hey, combination of Amendola, yep. Robinson, Alexander, and Gibson out there, and most of the for most of the snaps. Really? Cool. Well, if Robinson doesn't do nothing in a couple of games, he's gonna be let go. Because really, yeah. that's Devaney's boy, and he hasn't done anything. Yeah. You know, one touchdown doesn't make you a great receiver in this league. No. No, no, not at all. So that's it. Hey, no. boys, I'll talk to you tomorrow. The thing that we just want to just say one thing, that NFL package, understand, is $360 a year on DirecTV. You pay that in payments. But I get to watch yeah. eight games at one time. And if you yeah, have a 50 oh, yeah. 60 inch, you you see the sweat coming down. I mean, and that's oh, yeah. where the red zone kicks in. You know, you can go right to red zone with the NFL package like that. That is uh, well worth it. You know, because tickets out here are $140 a game. Whew. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you so try you doing a Jets game, a game. Yeah, yep, yep. And plus, you know, a family of four or even a family of two, you're talking about a $400 day. Oh, uh, yeah. That's it, boy. All right, guys, talk to you next week. Hey, hey thanks, thanks, bro. Frank. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
the business side, the business side. Aaron, any thoughts, man? Listen, I think he makes a good point there in saying, you know, the thing about Sam Bradford is amazing to me. He made a point there about, you know, if Clayton goes down, maybe this team, you know, uh, if Clayton doesn't go down, what are the expectations for it? I think, you know, the fact that Sam Bradford is doing what he's doing with this this core of receivers is is fairly ridiculous. I mean, Danny Amendola, by all accounts, is a good guy, all right? Danny Amendola... <laughs> is not a number one receiver in the NFL, and he's not a number two receiver. And if you want to make a case that he's not a number three receiver, I'm probably going to listen to you there. You know, we're talking about Denario Alexander. I mean, this is a guy that every other team in the NFL had an opportunity to. And, you know, by all, you know, by all accounts, he was a pretty talented player in college. I don't know how he's going to turn out as a pro. I mean, this is an extraordinarily thin, extraordinarily thin wide receiver core. And the reason that I was kind of one of these guys that wanted to to take a flyer on Vincent Jackson, maybe it's my own kind of, um, you know, wonderment of if you give Sam Bradford a guy like Vincent Jackson, who is the number one receiver in the NFL, or somebody that's, you know, got proven bona fides, how good could this guy be? It's it's curious. That's something that's not – it's not going to get answered this year. It just isn't because of – you know, they're not gonna, the trading deadline's passed. They're not going to, you know, Laurent Robinson's not going to all of a sudden turn into Randy Moss. So, But but in next year, if, if Bradford's this good with Danny Amendola, no offense, but if he's good with this with Danny Amendola, how good is he going to be if he, you know, if we get an A.J. Green out of George or someone of that elk? I mean, that's it'd be ridiculous. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. the potential. I, and I was, once Clayton was down, I was, you know, before that I was wavering a little bit on the, on the Vincent Jackson thing. But, man, once Clayton was down, I really would have liked to have seen the Rams pull the trigger on that. Now, I know there are a lot of reasons, and I know there's the opportunity cost of the draft picks and everything, but I was ready. I was hungry. I think it would have been an amazing sight to behold. If the guy's young enough, you know, it's not right. like you're trading away the future for a 33-year-old guy or something like that. But, but hey, he, you know, it's he, all right. We'll win some games. But is – uh, you know, is Mark Clayton even that good? That's the question we don't know. The guy, by all intents and purposes, was a bust. He gets hooked up with Sam Bradford, and all of a sudden, people are picking up on fantasy teams all over the place. He's putting up 100-yard games like it's no big deal, touchdown passes all over the place. Well, we have a three-year track record of him sucking, right? He oh, yeah? sucked for three years. He was a bust. He comes up with Sam Bradford for four or five games, four and a half games. All of a sudden, this guy is a borderline uh, Pro Bowl candidate there. So now you're thinking oh, to yourself, yeah. wait a second, is it Bradford or is it Clayton? I'm tending to believe, just because we've seen other kind of mediocre receivers put in all-star performances, maybe it is Sam Bradford. Maybe he's actually way better than he's even showing now, and if we give him some weapons to work with, man, this guy, this guy could kill it. I'm excited. Well, look at the, and, look at the botched fumbles last week. To me, that was... I mean, nothing against Mark Bulger personally or anything like that, but two bad shotgun snaps would have been two surefire turnovers and probably a touchdown or two, you know, in one game if that happens. Sam Brad, I mean, that was just amazing the way he walks over there. Right. He picks it up like a ground ball. He throws it away. It's no, pro- you know, no problem. It's just it's another incomplete pass. No big deal. I couldn't believe right. that. It's a it's a damn botched snap. It's nothing to be 
happy about. But when you see that kind of, like, it was just like the fumble recovery that time. What was that against Seattle? Right. Or Washington. I yep. can't remember where he had that uh, fumble recovery. It's like that Mark Bulger would have watched that thing roll right by. Mark Bulger would have kicked it out of bounds, man. <laughs> Maybe. He would have kicked it. Just, no, just a quick thought. He would have anywhere near. He would have ran to the sideline. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't get me started on a Mark Bulger. I mean, everything we needed to know about Mark Bulger was shown in that video last year in Detroit where he slid two yards before the first down without anyone anywhere in the vicinity of him. If you don't tell me, I, I, no one is ever going to convince me, and we're never going to get tangible proof of it, at least not, not, not any time soon. If you don't tell me that those guys that next Monday when they were watching that film didn't think to themselves, man, this guy is a pussy. You'd be kidding yourself because everyone on that team goes, this ain't our leader. There's no way. They quit on him right then. If they hadn't already, right then and there, there's no way they went into film session and said, yeah, Mark Bolger, he's our guy. Might have told the press that. Might have told the media that. No way they believed it. I, you just don't do that in the NFL if you want to be a leader. <laughs> it's a fair point. We talked about it last year. I mean, it's a true point. Just a quick thought, and we talked about this real quickly last week, Van. If if Bradford and we you know we go over Mark Clayton and we talk about how he wasn't a stud before he got here, and and Bradford was able to do some things. The fact that he's elevated Amendola beyond where he's been, and I'm gonna get to that real quick. We got a question on the Turf Show Times thread. We got two callers. I'm gonna try to get this going. If Radford can do what he's doing with this wide receiving core, knowing that it's, I think, the youngest wide receiving core on average in the NFL, when we talk about guys like A.J. Green and Vincent Jackson, would we be better served spending our money, spending the capital on other positions because the value that you get out of bringing in a wide receiver that good doesn't really matter as much? I mean, if, if, the, if the key is spending a first-round draft pick on a guy like A.J. Green, how much more are you going to upgrade the passing game? And then, B, how much do you need to upgrade the passing game versus maybe another offensive line pick or a bat, uh, the secondary change of pace running back, defensive line improvements, an outside linebacker, you know, those kind of things. Does, does that, does that make sense to you guys? Let me, tell you what, what, let me tell you what I would do real fast. And, and this is, to me – now, I don't know what's going to happen with free agency. You've got a big question mark in what, what's going to go on with free agency and whether or not there's a football season next year. But if I were the Rams and I had access to Stan Kroenke's checkbook, I would be looking for a free agent, a stud free agent wide receiver. And I'll tell you why. A younger guy, not you know, like I say, not some guy in his late 30s or anything like that, but a younger guy who's maybe he can come in, He's ready to play. You know, he's got to get up to speed on the offensive system. But he's he's up to speed. He's ready to play. You draft a young wide receiver, even a talented guy in the first round. I think there's still some lag time there. Rams got to start competing next year. And I think if you bring in a free agent, established number one wide receiver, you're you're ten times further down the road than you would be with a draft pick. And then you spend your draft pick on defense or you know whatever and running back, whatever you want, and then. Go from there. Just my opinion. I don't know. And then I'll, I'll throw the thought out from the open thread. The open thread was asking, you know, saying that Amendola may be our best offensive player after Bradford and Action Jackson, and his use on returning kicks seems to be out of need due to lack of more good players. Do you, what, do, what do you guys think about that? What is it? What is the what? What is the wisdom right now on Amendola? I mean, Danny Amendola. I, I, 
again, I don't I don't mean to be the guy that comes out and bashes Danny Amendola. I think he's had a really solid and productive year for the for the Rams. Um, at the same token, I don't know um, if there isn't five or six teams in the NFL where he just flat out wouldn't be on their team. Um, you know, and that's no slight against, like I said, what he's done this year. It's just the the reality of the system, the reality of the situation is that Danny Amendola is a tiny, you know, fairly shifty, not incredibly fast, you know, wide receiver that has the ability to return some kicks. And you know, I think to, to Van's point there is that the Rams. Uh, I think their value is going to be in in getting another playmaker, another wide receiver um, out wide for Bradford, and, and build on those positions that we know we need to, we need more linebacker, we need more defensive line help, and building those later on in the draft. I mean, that's honestly what's killed the Rams in the past three, four, five drafts is that they really haven't hit on anybody from the top down. And and when you have whole entire drafts from two years ago that are already off the books and are no longer a member yeah. of the St. Louis Rams, your depth is just going to be murdered. And and we see yeah. it right now is that this Rams team, uh, they're 3-3, three and three, could be 4-3, and three, could be 5-3 and three, heading into the bye week. The, the fact of the matter is is they're one or two injuries away from being the same Rams team that they were last year. I mean, we saw it last week mm-hmm. when Bradford took a pretty wicked headshot. Everybody in the stadium was like, whoa. Cronkie's uh, butthole just puckered up on that hit. Or we saw it a couple weeks prior when Steven Jackson looked like he really seriously injured his groin and could be out for an extended period of time. And you're like, wow, you know, Kenneth Darby is going to come in here and carry the workload? I don't think so. So, I mean, the Rams are thin. They've been playing better, but they're real thin. But I think they do ultimately yeah. need to make their playmakers their top priority in the offseason and build through deep drafts when they can. Yeah. Absolutely. And, good, you know, I'll say Amendola is a role player, and I think that's what, you know, that's what, to me, what you're doing with the wide receivers right now with the Rams is, is you've got a bunch of guys that are probably best suited as role players, and they're right. each asked to kind of play their part, and it works okay. You know, like you say, Hooks, you've got a quarterback like Sam Bradford, you can make that happen. But, you know, you spread these guys out to the 31 other teams out there, and, you know, I mean, we all, you already know, I mean, how many guys that are in the wide receiver core were practice squad, six, seventh-round picks, you know? Right. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, if we're envisioning a future here with the St. Louis Rams, do you envision a future where the Rams are celebrating an NFC West championship or an NFC championship and Danny Amendola is a key performer on that team, (laughs) whether that be this year or next year or the year after? And I have to say, I have a tough time thinking that, they're running around the Edward Jones Dome with the NFC Championship the trophy going, you know, Danny Amendola is like uh, the NFC Championship game MVP or uh, a huge contributor to what Bradford just did. I just don't see that happening. I just can't see it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I just can't see it. And maybe I'm tainted by, you know, that hard knocks where he got cut from the Dallas Cowboys and they were just kind of like, we love the kid, but he's not talented enough. And and that was basically yeah. the reason that Dallas let him go. Maybe I'm tainted from that because he has performed well. I just can't envision that the Rams are going to be banking championships on Damian Damian Dola in any meaningful form, other than spot kickoff returns and you know possession receiver, much like a you know a, a shorter, quicker Ricky Prohl at some some level. Yeah, 
And just like that, Aaron Hooks has one less reader from VT Rams fan. You can write it down. All right, we got a caller. I'm going to try to bring in these callers. Uh, first one's coming from 310. That's Los Angeles, right as LSU scores a touchdown. 310, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, now. What's up, 310? That's, that's Bubba Ram fan. Bubba, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, you know, I just wanted to have been listening to your show for the past couple weeks. And really like it. Uh, I wanted to put in a plug there for whoever does that, uh, uh, the video breakdowns. Uh, I guess uh, they did the Roger Saffold one last week. That yeah, was really great. BT. You guys got to keep that up. BT, the Danny Amendola fan, Aaron's uh, le- most recent loss reader, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys about uh, the Clifton Ryan migraine situation. Uh, uh, I kind of noticed at the end of uh, preseason that he was being played in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter with the scrubs. I wonder if there isn't something else going on there with him. Maybe he's not uh Spag's kind of player. What do you all think? I, you know, I, it's a, that's, a, that's a good question. He lost his starting job in the preseason to Gary Gibson. Gary Gibson was, a, you know, a, I don't know if he was an undrafted free agent, but the Rams signed him away from what was it, the Jaguars? He he was undrafted, yes. So I mean, you know, here's the guy they lost his job to that. So I, you know, he's been a role player. He's been out the past two games. You certainly didn't notice he was missing last week, did you? Oh well, they've got Darrell Scott back, I guess, this week. I was just thinking they're kind of thin at defensive yeah. tackle right now. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I've noticed, they've been playing James Hall on the inside a lot, um, trying to get him matched up with, depending, I think, on, you know, where he's got a smaller guard to go against. But And I think, you know, sometimes that's paid off for him. You know, he's had some, he's had, he, what, he's got six sacks on the season already, and this is a guy that, you know, he's James Hall. Yeah, James Not, Hall's been playing lights out. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, 3K, uh, and, Aaron? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure, you know. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, Clifton Ryan's already been ruled out for this weekend, so he, the migraine strike again. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, no, I mean that's a that's a uh, that's a tricky situation. It might be one of those things where uh, one thing leads into the other. I mean, you'll see it with a guy like Percy Harvin, who's pretty uh, pretty integral to what Minnesota does on their offense. They're maybe a little more tolerant of it than uh, than the Rams are with Clifton Ryan, and that's nothing to say that that that'd be anything that they'd release publicly, but. If Spags knows that he can't count on Clifton Ryan or a migraine might come up later on in the week, he might be thinking to himself, you know what, I'll go with somebody else here, and, you know, if Clifton could go, he can go, and if not, he can't go. I mean, I can't imagine that that would be anything, like I said, anybody would talk about openly, but you got to think that for, you know, pretty much a, a guy who's not the most integral part of the defense, you'd probably rather go with somebody you can count on week in and week out, and concussions are just – or, uh, migraines are just one of those things where you never know when they're going to pop up, and it's kind of unfair yeah. to flip them, but might be something that, uh, you know, Spags keeps in his back pocket and says, you know what, I can count on these other guys more. No, well, absolutely. One more question. Absolutely. One, one more question for you guys. Uh, given that the uh, Bucks defense is only has four sacks, would you think that Schumer might open up the passing game a little bit and let Bradford – Take some deeper drops, you know, five and seven step drops with the the old O line gelling a little better than it has been, and maybe seeing the ball get downfield a little bit more. 
well, million dollar question. I, you know, I think the yes. first the first guy that that's going to get the most responsibility right off the bat, Stephen Jackson, because the Bucks have been, you know, bleeding rushing yards, and and I think that, you know, why would you why would you not give the ball to Stephen Jackson this way? Now, hopefully, they use that to to get the passing game going, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I, I would be I would be highly highly. Uh, a surprise that the Rams changed up anything that they're doing here. Like you mentioned, I, I can't imagine that uh, Coach Shermer has done anything but gotten the offensive line ready to run the ball as much as possible. The Tampa Bay run defense has been suspect all year. And at this point, you know what, they're 3-3. Three and three. I think that they're going to uh, they're going to try to run this game. It's going to be a quick game. It's going to be one where Steven Jackson – He's going to get over 30 carries in this thing, probably over 35 touches in the game, and they're going to pound this one out. I would be highly surprised if the Rams changed things up now and started getting Bradford into those deeper drops and trying to look downfield. Yeah. Okay, well, hey, thanks, thanks a lot, guys, for taking my call, in, and uh, we'll be listening to you next week. Hey, good to hear from you, Bubba. Thanks for calling in, man. 3K, we got another caller on the line. We don't, and you know who it was? I'm reading the face of the Facebook, the uh, open thread at Tertial Times. It was the Team Rams fan. We could have had an oh. epic clash of certain doom, <laughs> and we missed out on it. But he had to hang up. It wasn't because of the Amendola comments, but he did have some stuff on the open thread I'll throw out there. He wanted to echo what the sentiments it? made, the statements. Uh, he just said he loves Amendola due to the fact he plays well above his skill set and that you know you're always getting 110%, um, and that he agrees with the Bradford comments. I wish we could have brought you on, VT, you know, we're always down to get you on there. And he brought up a Denario tweet that he threw out, I guess, recently. It says, can't sit still right now, ready to make the biggest skeptics believers. Denario doesn't have a lot of skeptics right now after this last week. So, you know. I, I wonder if that's more related to the MUOU game today. That's possible. Oh, it, yeah, it is. Uh, let, let me just frame it for you guys in this way. If you can, the MU kind of love fest that has been going on this week with everyone has been uh, – Pretty much borderline ridiculous. Now, I'm a guy who doesn't have a horse in this race. I could care less who wins this game. Like I was telling somebody earlier, I'm going to pay for Christmas um, with this three-and-a-half points. That's uh, the most recent line with OU. So anybody that wants a Christmas present, just hit me up because I'm going to be rich after this game. But, I, I mean, listen, Denario Alexander came out, and, you know, he's got great personality. We saw it. Uh, he was a great player for the Missouri Tigers, so he's got that kind of hometown connection here with the St. Louis Rams fans. People want him to succeed. But, guys, you know, the NFL, uh, it's a tough, tough league for even the healthiest dudes and the strongest dudes. And Denario has had multiple surgeries on the same knee. Um, I know that in, a, in, a, in Candyland, everybody likes to think, hey, Nobody would ever go after Denario's knee. But let me tell you something. He has a couple more games like he does last week. There's going to be somebody taking shots at his knee who, even in his own comments, has said that it's not completely 100% healthy and probably never will be. So I just find it so, like, hard to really get worked up about Denario until he can prove, at least going through this season, that he can do it without getting injured and, and re-injuring that knee because at this point it's it's a situation where we're 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 on borrowed time with Denario and 
you know, maybe he lasts, maybe he doesn't, but, you know, the chances are that he gets through this season probably slim. Yeah, sure. I, I'll just jump in real quick, Van, if I could. I got two quick yeah. points in response. First off, uh, I, I take some offense. I've got some good friends from Candyland, and they're much savvier football fans than you would expect. They really understand that, you know, it's a violent league. So when you disparage people from Candyland like that, Aaron, I just want to step up and let you know they're not as, uh, they're not as rosy as you might assume. But, you know, it's a good point. The, the concern for me isn't almost that he's going to get hurt in any one game, the idea that it's violent. It's the idea that, you know, the NFL, just like any other major league sport, is a marathon in a sense. And I wonder the, the, the accumulation of every hit, because every hit is going to add something to the chances that he gets injured, how, how much you can play him in a given game before the knee just, you know, injures itself. It's just not a healthy leg. And, you know, knowing how talented he is and how capable he is and how, how much the Rams could use a guy like that on, on the roster, if he can stay healthy and give us that and we can go other directions in terms of improving this roster, um, that, yeah. that's a huge, huge boon. So I, I don't know. It's something that we'll have to see and that time will tell, but I really hope that we don't overuse him to the point that the knee just becomes, you know, a black hole of injuries. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's not only optimistic. I have two points here. Two points, Alexander and back to the wide receivers. These are just quick one-offs here. If Danny Amendola were a member of the St. Louis Cardinals, he'd be the starting second baseman and he'd be the scrappiest quote-unquote guy on the team, <laughs> and the whole city would love him. Yeah. Um, the receivers, it kind of is, it's kind of that money ball approach. I, I get the sense. I mean, it's not. It's different, I know. But, you know, it's a little bit of that. It's like, you know, here's some guys with some talent. They've got some, in, you know, injury issues like Alexander. They're kind of cast-offs like Brandon Gibbs. You know, guys like Brandon Gibbs that didn't have a role in the team they were. Amendola, similar situation, you know, questionable fringe kind of talent. You're bringing them in. You're playing them. They make you competitive. That money ball approach, I think, makes you competitive. But ultimately, it doesn't kind of seem to sustain a championship team, whether it's baseball or football or whatever approach you take with it, I, you know. I don't know. That's my two cents on that. I, I don't disagree. Listen, I'm a, I, I'm a, this is entertainment to me, though. He, here's the problem oh, yeah. I, I, I run into a lot of times is that, okay, Danny Amendola is a good guy and scrappy and he gives it all he's got. I, you know, for me, I'm paying to go see the guys that are stars. I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to see people where I can go in and go, wow. Randy Moss, Vincent Jackson, whoever the wide receiver yeah. is, and what they're doing in the off season and in the in the downtime and their bye weeks and they're making statements and I know a lot of people don't like that kind of stuff, but it's entertainment to me. And, and when you have those yeah. storylines heading into a game, it makes it more fun for me. So absolutely. maybe that's my biggest gripe is that oh, these guys on the wide receiver card they're not stars. I just I felt duty bound to get a Bo Hart reference out there. <laughs> Bo Hart My goodness That's a blast from the past Hey I'll pull something out from the open thread in real quick guys This comes from uh, Let me find it Let me put on my reading glasses Goo. Here it is from RamsFan7 um, what, what do you guys think the chances uh, OJ Atalgo gets brought back Knowing his injuries, age You know the style of play What, what do you guys think Is this is the one year option going to be exercised Or are we in with Atalgo's for uh, the long haul Well it's not really a one year option It's just that his contract was structured That it's, it gets kind of 
pricey next year. I mean, I think it's an $11 million total with the roster bonus and then his yearly salary. I think if he's playing the way he's been playing, I mean, you know, like I say, there's always, you know, depending on what the options are out there, but why wouldn't you bring him back? I mean, he's been a good part of the, He's been a good, solid member of the secondary so far. I'd like to see him get his ball-hawking ability back a little bit more, some more interceptions. Now we had one last week. That was great. I hope we see some more. And, and you know, if you see that kind of play out of him, Bring the guy back. Don't leave yourself looking for yet another part that you've lost. I mean, he's one of the few draft picks we've had over, you know, pre-2009, pre-2008 that that have been worth hanging on to. So, I think O.J. Tagway is probably an interesting case for the future of the NFL. And I say this by saying that I think his situation is wholly dependent on how these labor negotiations pan out. If it's a situation where the salary cap gets tightened up, the owners are trying to get and make more money, uh, and that the players are getting less share of revenue, I, I think that O.J. Atagway definitely could be one of those casualties of a guy that just has a contract that, that you don't want to hold on to. Um, now, yeah. if it happens where the salary cap goes up and players get more share of the revenues and considerations for some other things like a 18-game schedule or something along those lines, well, now – you know what, it could be a tolerable contract. But I just don't know with the uncertainty of next year and all the years after if O.J. Atagway is a good fit or not. I couldn't tell you that right now. Under the current system, if we were to play it out, I'd say it would be a coin flip. So, you know, depending on what changes are made, I think that that's the way O.J. Atagway's contract is going to be here in St. Louis. Good point, good point. Hard to disagree with. I, I, no, I just I'll switch directions on this because I know we usually throw out the draft at the end, and I want to make sure we touch on this. A lot of I don't I don't know if a lot of people from Churchill Times are going to SB Nation St. Louis. I check it every day because I know Dan Dan Moore uh, writes great stuff. Aaron's writing great stuff, and and I enjoy reading it. But what I also enjoy is a different perspective. You know, at Churchill Times, it's a Rams centric Rams all the time. Everything Rams. What kind of Haynes does you know? Chauncey Washington wear on Wednesdays type thing. We, we It's all about the Rams. But at SB in St. Louis, you guys have a different perspective, and it's more of individual writers. You know, at Tertial right. Times, it's me and Van and everybody else that's posting on the front page, and it's almost like one person with different names. But there at SB Nation St. Louis, you guys have a lot more personality. What What is it you try to accomplish every time out when you're writing something, besides pissing well, off? You know, well, I mean, that's the number one goal. I want people to be as angry as possible and, and never come back. Uh, Will you fail with me, man, because I love it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I, I mean, I think that the, the main goal of the site, or, or at least the stuff that I'm writing there, is just trying to give, um, you know, maybe there's some middle ground there. Like, do I know some of the dork stuff that goes into professional football? Yeah, I do know that stuff. Do I also know what it's like to – you know, be a guy that just tailgates and goes in there and listens to people with some pretty rudimentary knowledge of football and looks like the drug cops are circling overhead. Sorry, guys. Anyway, uh, I mean, you know, just, you know, having some sort of amusing antidote or having an angle that wasn't covered there. I mean, there's so many guys out there that, you know, you guys do a great job talking about, you know, the nuts and bolts of what it is. But, you know, what does it mean in the bigger picture? You know, and I, I wrote a couple weeks ago about, you know, this kind of red zone conundrum with, you know, Rams fans always saying, hey, you know what, if they win, people will come back. Well, maybe they will, maybe they haven't. But, you know, like things have changed in the past three or four years. And, and kind of taking that approach to thinking, hey, uh, you know, there's different ideas out there and 
I know I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but uh, basically it's just, you know, something that's different out there, and if I can find a different angle of something that's going on with the Rams, I try to try to exploit it for all it's worth. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm all about okay. exploitation. I'm all about exploitation, man. The more things we can possibly exploit, the better. Right. And and then, again, if we find, like, hot pictures of these uh, girls that these guys are hanging out with or marrying or impregnating, we'll put that up, too, and that's always fun oh, for everyone. Yeah. And that was something Absolutely. I was thinking about. You know, I know we get off track on Turt Show Radio. We don't do nearly enough stuff on Rams Cheerleaders, man. We don't, man. And we I want to be the first to apologize. We need more coverage of Rams Cheerleaders, and I will do my best to get that started. Yeah. Well, no, well we, yeah. we need more stuff on the Rams Cheerleaders. We don't need more coverage on them necessarily. I, I, hey, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Zingo. <laughs> no, it's, it's fair. Uh, I and part of it is because, you know, I, re- I read stuff random, random places. I came across Sports Illustrated, and they had some, uh, you know, collection of photos of the different cheerleaders. We have some pretty hot cheerleaders, man, especially compared to – I don't know if you guys have ever seen Cincinnati. Oh, man. I, I'm telling you, they, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they're – you know, you, you guys remember RoboCop, the guy that gets covered in acid? He's a cheerleader on the Cincinnati Bengals. I swear, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Robocop reference. Nice. Oh. You know, they do do a uh, – they do – in the end games, they actually do this season have done a one-off profile of a different shield leader. And uh, last week or the week before, they actually had it framed on the Jumbotron where she looked like she was completely naked. And it did cause a – I don't want to say a, a stir, a, like a minor murmur in the crowd that they were putting a <laughs> naked cheerleader up on the Jumbotron. So – the Rams have at least embraced this culture of exposing cheerleaders um, to the maximum. So if the, if the franchise is on board, you guys need to be on board, too. Here, hey, here. it's not a bad idea. There's, and a, I'll there's that iPhone the app. Yeah, the iPhone There's that app. iPhone app where you can bubble it up. You can bubble it. Are you serious? You can grab the swimsuit <laughs> pictures and they look nude. I think it's, you know, right. for high school boys, you know, I, bloggers, things like that. Well, no, it came about from the Amish because that Amish kid said that he can't look at, like, porn, right? So the closest right. you can get is like a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition or something like that. So if you put the bubbles over it, it looks like the girl's nude, and you know you can use your imagination of what you're doing with it. So yeah, the bubbling app, it's good 99 cents right there, especially if you're Amish. I know we have a big Amish uh, listenership today, so check it out on the iTunes store. Anytime you're doing anything, you always need to make sure that you're satisfying your Amish contingency. Otherwise, it's just not worth the effort. Uh, I was just going to know. I know there was a big Amish cocaine scandal a while back. Maybe the Amish are onto something. There are just two things I never figured would collide, and that'd be the Amish and cocaine. But you know, two thousands. At the Cowboys team, I was just going to say they have a platform. It's a it's above the seats where like the cheerleaders dance, and obviously, I mean, if they're wearing skirts, but you know, they wear those. uh, Little you know boy shorts, the, the little bloomers. Boy shorts. Yeah, sure. They you know they're looking right up at them, and the, those are some of the most expensive seats in the lower tier because they're great viewing. And it you know it's one of the things that the NFL understands you can make money off of. I guess well, for people well, who the Cowboys had a the, the, the Cowboys had a special movie made about had a, a mainstream movie so to speak made about their cheerleaders a while back. I got it on well, Blu-ray. You ain't gonna tell me. <laughs> Well, not only that, but they've got a, a show, a yearly show, where they pick the cheerleaders that's on CMT. 
you know, where you yeah. follow the uh, life of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And plus, we've been out to Vegas. We see what they're doing at those blackjack tables. They just put girls on platforms right in front of you. You don't, you lose your mind. You don't even know what's going on. That way, when yeah. the planet Hollywood, yeah, you just pay for whatever. Who cares? I'm looking at hot chicks <laughs> on a platform. Give and give money. Here you go, Jerry Jones. I mean, Jerry Jones is the dumb man. He knows he's dumb. He's, he's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> he gets it. Well, guys, any what's other on, thoughts? We're the... running out of time. We got ten minutes left of going live. Last thoughts? Anybody? Anybody? Hooks? Yeah, I mean, listen, we got uh, boys. We have the opportunity here. I don't want to. I don't want to sound too much like I'm going into coach speak here, but uh, three and three with the opportunity, a strong opportunity to go five and three and into the bye week. And I think that if the Rams are somehow able to pull off a win in these next two games. Uh, now, all of a sudden, a, a season that I was fairly convinced could have some intriguing subplots, right? How does Bradford develop? You know, Steven Jackson, what can he do this year? Maybe a Roger Saffold, Jason Smith, can they grow? You know, that kind of stuff. Now we're legitimately talking about an opportunity to take a really weak division. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm completely – baffled by this team on a week-to-week basis. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's also been more interesting to watch the NFL for me just for the fact that the Rams are going to do something week-to-week. I don't know what it is. Um, They've been blown out, and they've blown people out and everything in between. So I'm excited about these next two weeks in particular because I think that if we can figure out a way to win these next two games, now all of a sudden this whole season, eight games into it, has turned into something that I don't think any of us thought was coming down the pike in, uh, you know, September. So I'm excited. These two next two weeks, very exciting, very huge for the Rams as an organization, as a city, as a team. It's huge. What, what do you think the chances are that we go 2-0 and against Tampa and Carolina? Yeah, probably 50-50. I have, and I have no idea. I'm just glad we didn't get into this thing of, you know, what, what are they going to do? I really don't know. I mean, I, I think that I have an idea of what the game plan is going to be against Tampa Bay tomorrow, but in terms of how they execute it and what ultimately happens, I don't know. They could go down there and win by 14 points. They could go down there and lose by 21 points. At this point, I don't know if we would be shocked really by anything. I mean, it used to be, oh, well, these guys are playing pretty good. Well, we've seen that. Oh, these guys are awful. They stink. Well, we've seen that. So, I mean, I, yeah, to, to to, to kind of like say, hey, this is probably what's going to happen, I, I don't know. I mean, this has been up, down, all around. So to, to, to make a prediction, I don't know. I, I, if I had to bet a dollar or bet my life on it, I'd say the Rams, you know, eke one out in Tampa Bay. But really, am I that confident about it? No. No, I'm not. So I don't know. And I, but that's fun. Finally, we don't know. I mean, you would have taken the option of not knowing for any game before this season started. I'd say amen. I'm in, you know, <laughs> instead of going into it against a good team on the road and saying this is going to be ugly, uh, you know, uh, now at least we have the opportunity to do something. If they take it, they take it. But if they don't, yeah, who knows? Absolutely. I mean, this is a, these are two games they really need to go 2-0. and But it's like you say, I mean, you're exactly right, I think. I mean, it's just will they? You never know what to expect week from week. And I think that's the that's the big hump they got to get over this year. But – we will see. 
3K? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's it's going to be an interesting game if for no other reason that it's on the road. I think that's the biggest hurdle left um, is showing that they can win on the road. Obviously, last year was an anomaly. We didn't win any home games. That one game we did win was almost flukish on the road against Detroit. Barely escaped, Hello? you know, thanks to the fake field goal and Steven Jackson. This year we got three wins Hello? at home, and we, you know, we Hello? haven't done anything on the road yet. <clears throat> this is a good opportunity, and, and Hello? don't underrate Tampa Bay. They've got some quality pieces. I love Hello? a kid to leave, cornerback. Um, he's really improving really quickly. Styles G. White, one of my favorite names in the NFL. Uh, on the defensive line, defensive end for Tampa. They've, they've got some solid pieces. Gerald McCoy, everybody remembers from the NFL draft this year. So, you know, they're improving quickly. They've got some talent. Josh Freeman is starting to get things clicking, even though in a similar position to the Rams, they don't have a lot of talent. But unlike the Rams, they have some really, really standout young guys in their wide receiving core. Mike Williams Aurelius Ben. That, that's going to be, I think, the key for Tampa Bay. And specifically, I guess, in this game, is the Rams' ability to shut those guys down. And obviously, Mike Williams, since he's been able to produce out the gate. We've got to make sure that we limit what they can do offensively because our defense is prepared. We know that we've seen that in the games we're winning, the defense is getting it done, and the offense is just kind of scrapping their way, you know, almost unbelievably, whether it's Bradford on the rollout, Denario with a touchdown, Brandon Gibson with a touchdown, LaRon Robinson with a touchdown. It's coming from all corners. It's almost so unpredictable. You don't want to suggest anything because you know you're going to be wrong. But that yeah. defense seems to, become, it seems to be coming, to be becoming Grammar, uh you know, it, I don't know. I don't like, have an instant correction. It seems for you like it's one. becoming the rock of the team. It's becoming the dependable part of the team, and that's got to be the centerpiece of this game. If we can get it done on defense, I don't see why we can't win. Yeah, and that's listen. That's why the Rams hired Coach Spagnuolo. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a matter of this guy wasn't uh, labeled as an offensive genius, uh, a la Mike Martz or. You know, I hate to use the word Linehan in the same sentence, but I mean, like, <laughs> this is this is why he hired Coach Magnola to get the most out of these guys and make an intimidating ball hawking defense that can take you to places. And it just so happens, though, that the best player on this team is probably at the quarterback, which happens to be a bonus. So you get those two things rolling, now you got something uh, going on with your franchise. I think the Rams are on the precipice of that. You know, can he convert? Can Spags take him to the next level? I think that's an interesting question for the next two weeks and beyond. And you know that's yeah, focus, and the defense it came will be out. a unit to really keep oh, your eye ahead, on. I think this week, well, just you know, depending on how they, if they're consistent and kind of are playing like they played last week, and you know, against Seattle and Washington, then that's a. I mean, you know, then you've got you've got some stability to build on here going through the season, competing for that coveted NFC West crown. Oof. It's a long way off. I was just going to note, you know, we're talking about Spagnuolo and the defense. One of the things he said was when, when people were questioning the game plan the offensively coming out in the second half against the Chargers, he said that he was paying attention to the defense. And I know some people took umbrage against that, but that's what you want him to do. He's a defensive coaching specialist. You want him focusing on the defense and trust that he's a good enough staff manager to make sure that you know the guys in charge of the offense are doing the right thing. Guys, we've got a minute left live, but we have overtime on Blog Talk Radio. So the people who are listening live, you can listen. You can still call in. It just won't be live, you know. Uh, well, I guess you can't listen live. I don't know, man. You know how I am with technology. I don't tweet my Facebook from my cell phone, 3G, G3, whatever it is. I don't know how that works. But I figured, <laughs> whatever. Now that we're going overtime, you think we got some time for draft, man? 
Let's talk some quick draft. Van's got to jump off in a little bit here. I know I referred to myself in the third person, but as you should, I'm going to jump off in a little bit here. But uh, let's let's run. Let's do some draft talk. Three K, Aaron, man. Because here's the thing, you know, I like I don't like talking draft on my own because it's something I wrote to you this week. I could talk about draftable kickers for 15 minutes. There are great kickers that I pay attention to. In college, and I say this as I'm watching LSU about to convert, not going to happen. Auburn looks like they're going to win this game. Aaron, when you when you think about the Rams in the draft next year, or right. even two years down right. the line if you go out that far, what, what are you thinking about, man? What are you looking at? What positions intrigue you? What kinds of players would you like to see us get? What, what do you think about? Yeah, listen, I think uh, for me, for this Rams team, uh, the one glaring thing that I look at and I go, I don't know how it isn't exposed more often is linebacker position. I think if you get another guy that's even three-fourths of James Bernitis, uh on one of his sides, you know, weak side or strong side, I think all of a sudden now you're talking about a pretty formidable defense. I, I mean, I really think that that's the one area of the Rams where, okay, you get those guys in here, we got some young corners, Right, we got some decent safeties. We've spent some premium picks on the defensive line. It looks like Chris Long has a pulse. Uh, but those linebackers, man, I see some. I see some guys that are in there that they probably shouldn't be in the NFL. I mean, no offense to some of these guys, but they shouldn't be in there. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at that, and then my second priority is probably going to be looking for that star wideout. And I'm not afraid to use a premium draft pick to get that star wideout there because I think that, you know, if you're going to invest millions and millions of dollars in Sam Bradford, you've got to get them somebody that's uh, going to be a star for them. So if I had to draft this year for the Rams, I would say that uh, in either one of those combinations, depending on where they actually draft at, wide receiver and linebacker, the two positions i got to go after. It's hard to argue with that, man. It is hard to argue with that. I'd maybe throw yeah. in a defensive, another defensive end and, um, and or tackle and maybe, a, maybe a, an O-guard and somewhere in those first four rounds. And... Yeah, no, I mean, listen, at, at this point, though, uh, you know, when you spend two really kind of – you spend a super premium draft pick on, on Jason Smith and then you spend a pretty premium draft pick, you know, the first pick in the second round on a guy like Roger Saffold. Yeah. Uh, and then you've also spent money on Jason Brown along those offensive lines. I mean, I don't know, you know, you don't need – you don't need five all pros up there. You just need those guys, no. that, you know, on your tackle to produce at the level that they should for the draft position. Well, and it's something you said earlier. I think too, it's playmakers. This team's got to start now. It's you know, you've got your line, you've got your quarterback, you've got a running back. You just go out and get playmakers at this point. Right. 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 Guys right, that can right, make right. something happen. That's what you know. It's San Diego was a dangerous team because you get a guy like Gates or. Had he been healthy, or Jackson, had he been on the field, or even Malcolm Floyd, had he been on the field in, late in the second half? But you know those teams are dangerous because you have, you know, as long as you have guys like that, one two touchdowns isn't a massive hole to dig yourself out of for two quarters of football. Right. Right. Yeah, I, th- I was just thinking, you know, in terms of draft philosophy, I think this might be the most important draft for the Rams in the last five years, if for no other reason. But the fact that we're playing, as you could argue, maybe it's not as well as we've played, but we've gotten the wins that we've needed, I guess, thus far. This team has a chance to really escalate and jump to the top of the NFC West if we have a really good draft versus the rest of the of the division. And I just think, you know, the, the pressure on the Rams to get this one right and to add rookies 
that can contribute out the gate is, yeah. is higher than it has been. You've yeah, got to get I, rookies I, out of this class. I, I'm, I'll take a little bit. Of, I hear what you're saying with that, but I think if the Rams did, if the Rams would have gone with somebody like a Gerald McCoy or an Adamakon Sue in this last draft, and and we as a team, I'm saying we understand that it's I have nothing to do with these guys. But the Rams get off to another piss poor start this past year. I don't know if this franchise survives in this city. So in terms of winning importance. You're right. They've got to nail this and become a contender in the NFC West. But I think as a franchise, if they would have uh, screwed the pooch on this last draft and not gotten Sam Bradford, I'm a little bit hesitant to call it the most important draft for the franchise just for the fact that that I think that they've got a pulse now. I mean, they were on live support last year, and they've got a pulse now. Absolutely. Good point. Good point. I'm full Other, of it. Um, what, what, couple dra- 3K, a couple uh, with the OU-MU um, game tonight. I know some of our listeners are going to be watching that. Now we've got a lot of Californios listening out there. But um, in the OU-MU game, some guys, some players to keep an eye on maybe for the dra- for draft ramifications? Well, I guess ramifications, that's below the belt, man. Um, uh, you know, the first thing I guess, since, you know, we talked about uh, outside linebackers, and I threw that out when I, when I dropped my – watch list earlier this week. You've got two solid outside linebackers coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, Jeremy Beal is a senior. He's probably right on the cusp in between the first and second rounds. He's a, he's a strong prospect, big guy. Um, he's more of a run stopper, but he can do some things in the passing game, more in coverage than the pass rush. Travis Lewis, on the other hand, is almost the opposite. Awesome, awesome flying uh, outside linebacker. Great Sam for a 4-3. I, I could see us doing uh, pulling him and now it's probably going to take a mid first round pick to get Travis Lewis he's up there with Akeem Ayers out of uh, UCLA I know we've got a strong LA contingent that knows uh, Ayers pretty well but uh, Travis Lewis for me is probably my number one uh, outside linebacker out of that junior class I know it's going to piss some people off but oh well um, let me think who else to watch for in the OU game uh, you know Missouri's got some nice pieces you know people are going to watch Blake Gabbert because he's the quarterback I know we don't need him um, somebody I like is Xavier Gooden, that uh, outside linebacker. He, he looks like yeah. he's got some. He's got a strong upper body. I really like what he's done thus far. Um, maybe Jasper Simmons. We don't talk about free safeties a lot, but I like Jasper Simmons at the safety position. If we want to take a flyer on somebody that might be able to replace OJ Atogwe, maybe a couple of years down the line. Um, Jason Palmgren. He's a junior guard that I've been watching out of Missouri. I really like him. He's got strong hands, really quick hands. On the OU side, let me see who I got. I already talked about Beal. Quentin Carter's an awesome free safety. I don't know if we're going to be willing to spend the kind of pick that it's going to take to get a free safety like that when you still got a tall yeah. in the roster because Quentin Carter's probably going to go pretty early for OU. Um, let's see who else. Sam Proctor, strong safety. We don't talk about strong safety enough because we got James Butler and Craig Dahl. But that's a position where you might be able to get him maybe in the third, fourth round, and he could be a really, really high-value pick. Ronell Lewis, an outside linebacker, he's been hurt recently, so a lot of people haven't seen him, but he's incredibly talented. And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of guys. And when you talk about redshirt sophomores and juniors, there's so many people that are missing time, whether it's injuries or now with all the players suspended, you know, between Wesley Saunders at South Carolina, all the guys at UNC, you're going to have guys that are missing games. So you've got to go back on the tape and watch them, and it's tough to get as much information as the NFL teams do. But yeah, for the people on the field, that's more or less what I'm looking at from a Rams perspective tonight. 
What about this OU running back? And and this is, uh, you know, I'm hesitate to bring it up because I can't think of the guy's name, and I definitely couldn't DeMarco tell you what Murray. class he's in. Marco Murray. That's right, Demarco Murray. Well, I mean, he's got. The, I mean, I mean he's some pretty interesting. I, I don't think he's nearly as NFL valuable as a lot of other running backs. But is he, I mean, is this a college but he's certainly real strong. Thing? He's got great this, change of direction. He's got a guy that he's got a, to the NFL. He, he's got or? underrated level of he power. He's a little small, maybe. So he can, he can do a lot of different things for you in the running game. Hello? My only concern is, you know, his speed isn't as great as a lot of other speed backs, and at two fourteen, he doesn't have a lot of power as a lot of other people. He's about six one, six one and a half. So he's not incredibly thick, but he can do some great things. The only other, the biggest issue to me is, and I've, we talk about this at Tertial Times all the time when we talk draft, and I'll get to you, Aaron, with your thoughts. The kind of running back I'd like to bring in is a complete opposite of Steven Jackson, somebody real small, fast, and quick that completely changes the nature of the running game. So somebody like Noel Devine out of West Virginia, who's a senior. Um, Maybe somebody like Kendall Hunter we might want to take a flyer out, who paired with Keith Tostin to Oklahoma State. Somebody that's smaller and faster that can do – that brings the opposite things to the game that Steven Jackson does. What, what do you yeah. think about a, uh, about a complimentary running back, Aaron? Love the idea. I mean, I, I think that, you know, now you're hitting on what it takes to build a, uh, you know, a title contending roster. I mean, you're, you're looking at these stuff and, and you're saying, you know, how do we complement each other and, and – uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we need a guy that, you know, Steven Jackson, um, for all his ability, at the end of the day, he's one of the best smash-mouth running backs in the NFL. He's going to do stuff like he did at the end of the Chargers game, and if you need three yards, he's going to bury his head in the line, and he's going to get three yards. In his case, he got nine yards and put the game away. Um, so you'd like to have that guy that comes out there and is a change of pace back and is able to come in there and, um, you know, run some wheel, wheel routes, easy for me to say, out of the backfield. One of those guys that you can, you know, not a get as crazy as Mike Martin used to, but if you want to split him out and put him in the slot or take him out wide on a couple plays just to give a couple different looks and make some defenses react to that, I mean, I think that would be a perfect addition to the Rams squad. And, you know, in a way, I think that they feel like Kenneth uh, Darby is maybe that guy. He's not that guy. Not, I mean, the guy no. is a – you know, he's an emergency backup if you need him at best in the NFL. I think that they're kind of forcing him into that role, but he just has a limited amount of talent where he can go there. So getting someone in that talented – I mean, but this has been a need for the Rams for the past, what, three, four years now? I mean, they haven't really identified yeah, backup running back. So I'm just – I don't know how much faith I have in the Rams in actually heeding some of this advice. It seems like they're just willing to ride Steven Jackson until – they need to figure out what they're going to do to replace Steven Jackson. Seems to be their philosophy. Yeah, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. 3K, Aaron, um, I don't know what, what the plan is here. I, I'm going to have to drop off Turf Show Radio. It's been another powerful, oh heartwarming edition wow. of Turf Show Radio. And I want to thank Hooks for coming on. Read him on SBN St. Louis, cardsdiaspora.com. You can, that's where you can find his work. 3K, Hooks, last thoughts? Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, you know, happy Sunday to everyone. I mean, it's just a it's a mini miracle every time Sunday rolls around and we get the NFL for, uh, you know, eight hours each Sunday. So I'm pumped. Amen. 3K. Just another name I was going to throw out when we talk about smaller running backs. And he comes from Connecticut, so a lot of people aren't going to see him. Uh, his name is Jordan Todman. 
Small guy, he's about five nine. He's gonna he's probably gonna weigh less than two hundred by the time he gets to the combine. He's still a junior, but I could see him coming out. He runs a low four four forty, really, really quick. Great feet, great feet and good patience for a small back. I just wanted to throw that out there. Did that so I got guy, it on the record. Did that holiday kid out of LSU, did he ever catch on with anybody? Is he on an NFL roster right now? He was earlier. He was actually the first rookie to sign an NFL contract, um, and I don't remember who it was with, but I know he's got, he's on the team. The problem with guys like that is that they're not real running backs. They're more or less right. extra players that you can throw into offense. They, there's guys like him, Jacoby Ford, who came out of Clemson in this last draft. There's other players like that. Uh, Jeff Demps, who's going to come out of Florida, he run, he could run a sub four three forty. He's incredibly fast, but they're so small and they're so thin. I don't I don't know if they're the kind of player that you really want to work in with any kind of regularity at the NFL level. No, I just like that guy because he was like four foot two, hundred pounds, and quick as hell. <laughs> they're so serious. tiny. Yeah. There's a, so there'll be more level. like those guys that'll come out over the next couple of years because in the college game you can use them pretty effectively. But in the NFL, I mean, when you're looking at the kind of concussions oh. that have dominated the media out of this last week, imagine instead of, uh, I don't know, Deshaun Jackson, who, while he's small, th- those guys are still even smaller. Those guys would have been either decapitated or cut in half or put on a pike on the Tower <laughs> of London. I don't know. They, it would have gotten Whoa, so what? Right, They're so tiny. You just want to put them in your pocket and love them and – Kiss them and care for them. But no, man, I don't have anything else. This this was one of the best episodes of Turtle Radio. I'm glad I pimped it out as much as I did. I kind of had to sell my soul to to throw it out on Turtle Times as much as we did. But I thought it was a really good episode. So I want to thank you, Aaron, for coming on, man. I appreciate it, brother. Anytime, guys, and uh, take care. Thanks, Hooks. Later. 3K? Man, I, I ain't got nothing left. I think we ran the gamut. Good 10, I'm 15 spent. minutes of overtime, great episode. Yeah, go Rams. Absolutely. I need a brat and a beer. Go Rams. All right, man. See ya, man. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.